You're listening to The Interview, in-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. Brought to you by The Retail Exchange, in association with Visual Thinking, inspiring retail performance. Most retailers today in the U.S. think two to three hundred is all I should do. Beyond that is diminishing returns. So today, all these digital brands are, are racing to physical. You know, Warby Parker's up to about 100 stores. They're not going to make the mistake to get to 500, I wouldn't think, because we've already written that playbook and learned that lesson. We have zero tolerance for bad retail. If a store's messy, if they're out of stock, they have to, have to wait in line to check out. The whole time I'm going through it, I'm going, why didn't I just buy online? So retail stores really can do engagement well when done well. They're not very good at creating entertainment. Other retailers are listening, and they know they're hurting in middle America. And yeah. that, how, does, how does that area reinvent itself it, on a it's, retail landscape basis? I think it's going to be impossible to do. Hello, I'm Dave Evans, and welcome to the latest in the interview series from the Retail Exchange Podcast as we bring you a special episode from the heart of New York City. I'm delighted to join the Retail Exchange team to bring insight and opinion from premier industry professionals and thought leaders. I'm joined today by Ron Johnson, the founder and CEO of Enjoy. Ron, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Dave. So tell us about Enjoy. What is Enjoy? It's really simple. Imagine the best retail experience you ever had in the comfort of your home. I've spent 40 years in the retail industry at Target, the original Apple retail employee designing those stores. And if you talk to an Apple retail employee, and at the end of a good experience, what does a customer normally say? It's not thank you. It's, I wish I could take you home. And that kind of led to this thinking when we started Enjoy five years ago, is in the early days of e-commerce, it's only been 20 years. We've had one of the Apple stores has a thousand-year-old landlord. The landlord has had the building for a thousand years on Regent Street in the UK. Um, but all e-commerce ends in the same way with the product being delivered to the door. The only question is how fast is it? And was it FedEx or UPS or Amazon's own driver? So we're trying to figure out what do you do for a premium brand? How do you deliver an experience at the end of an online order? How does the the order not stop at the door but continue? in the home where the customers are going to use the product. So Enjoy partners with companies like British Telecom and EE. And when you order a phone online from EE or AT&T in the U.S., it would be delivered by one of our full-time employees. But they would spend about 30 minutes with you setting it up, getting it up and running. You can buy accessories. We bring a full POS. We can review your plan, make sure you're on the right plan. If you want to add faster broadband, we can set you up for that. So all of the retail experience that happened in the store that happens through your door. I've been a consumer of mobile electronics from a very young age, first with beepers and pagers, and then right. a very early cell phone adopter. And to this day, I still never know what approach I'm going to take when it's time for me to go get a new phone. Right. I don't know if I'm going to go to an AT&T store, go to an Apple store directly to purchase the phone. I think the reason that happens with the phone, you know, the iPhone's been out for 12 years now. I had one on day one. I did too. On Fifth I had Avenue. One. I, I had went to Fifth one. Avenue at midnight. I had one three months before it launched. I, I believe it. I was one of the I believe insiders. it. <laughs> but, uh, which was really an interesting time too. But if you think about it, that means the average person 
has owned five phones. The upgrade cycle is about 30 months. So we don't do phones that frequently. So every two years, things change. Where might I buy that phone? Today, the iPhone's available at Amazon. It wasn't two years ago. Today, I can enjoy my iPhone. In the UK, it wasn't two years ago. And so it's hard because there are so many different ways to acquire that phone. What we do know, though, is most people go to a store to get a phone because you're buying a phone and you're signing up for a plan. And it's pretty complicated. And you want to make sure you're on the right plan, you pick the right device, and ideally you know how to use it. What Enjoy is doing is providing that experience in the comfort of your home where it's unhurried, relaxed, where all of your other devices are so we can connect them all together. We think, you know, a decade from now, we'll increasingly buy online. There'll be things we want convenience to be delivered. And there'll be things we want more, and you'll have an experience. And that could be technology. It could be beauty. It could be high-end apparel. A variety of things because we're moving into this delivery economy. I've had the successful in-store experience mm-hmm. of setting up a phone. I've also had the failure of ordering it online, and I'm no tech dummy, but I still ran into problems. What kind of problems? Um, just porting over things, mm-hmm. getting the SIM card, you know, right? I mean, it, you would think popping over a SIM card yeah. from one phone to another shouldn't be a problem, but um, sometimes SIM cards apparently get scuffed on their way out, and it yeah. didn't. So enjoy seems like the ideal situation. Well, we solve all this thing. You know, we all forget online shopping has pain points. Stores have pain points. So if I want to go to the store, I've got to drive there. I don't know if they'll be in stock on the model I want. I don't know if it'll be crowded that day. I don't know which kind of person I'll get to help me. Sometimes people are very aggressive salespeople. Sometimes they're not informed. It's not a perfect experience, right? When I order online, as you said, when that box lands at the door, i got to figure it out. I've got to figure out how to activate. I might have to transfer the SIM card. Things don't go perfectly. If I have the wrong model, I've got to ship it back or go to a store. We're trying to solve pain points. Great businesses solve pain points. So we provide the convenience of online. I can just book a time. The confidence you get in the store, because we've got a person there in the middle of it who can solve that for you all in the comfort of your home. So it's really a next-generation retail model. It's delivering that great retail experience where you use the product. And we think it's going to be a part of the mix as we go forward over the next decade. We're in a situation now where we've got the legacy retailers, still some making that successful Mm -hmm. transition to digital. Yep. And the death of the physical store has been seemingly averted because mm-hmm. now we see digital-first retailers right. rushing to physical stores. Right. Where is the equilibrium in this? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's obviously in the right number of stores. Most retailers today in the U.S. think two to three hundreds, all I should do beyond that is diminishing returns. So today, all these digital brands are, are racing to physical. You know, Warby Parker is up to about 100 stores. They're not going to make the mistake to get to 500, I wouldn't think, because we've already written that playbook and learned that lesson. But we got to winnow back. So when you look at a place like AT&T that has 5,000 points of sale, it wouldn't surprise me if some year down the road that gets fewer. People that go to stores today demand new, new experiences, 
new products. You know, when I go to my Instagram feed, I discover what I might want to buy. So the store has to do something more. We have zero tolerance for bad retail. If a store is messy, if they're out of stock, I have to, I have to wait in line to check out. The whole time I'm going through it, I'm going, why didn't I just buy online? If retail's done right, I love doing that, right? And so right now, shopping centers are being reinvented. You know, where I live in Palo Alto, California, Stanford Shopping Center is one of the hardest parking places on the weekend in town. It's a destination. It's a destination, but they've got great food, great places to just gather, interesting stores. They've got the best stores for most of the brands because it's a really good environment, right? So when retail's done right and shopping environments are right, people go. I was in uh, Tokyo and Hong Kong over Christmas. They do retail right. I mean, it's so far reaching compared to what we find here in the United States or even in central London. They're way ahead of the game. Well, it's funny. Their online sales are in the single-digit percent because retail's done right. So we've got to find a way to get all retailers that want to survive have exciting, vibrant stores that deliver on more than a transactional experience. Some people, I think, are translating this as the retail experience needs to be akin to uh, a trip to an amusement park. Mm-hmm. Do you think something like that is the answer? I honestly do not think retailers should deliver entertainment. An experience in a retail store is engaging. You go to the Apple store, there's nothing to do but get your hands on a product. You're not being entertained when you try a watch. You're learning about the watch. When you go to a class like a Today class, you're not being entertained. While the teacher, the creative, is an entertained person, they're really providing information about what you can do with that product. When you get help at the Genius Bar, you're solving a problem. So retail stores really can do engagement well when done well. They're not very good at creating entertainment. That's what Disney does. That's, you know. And so I think you've got to figure out what does an experience mean in retail. To me, magic checkout is an experience. One of the things Amazon's done great is figure out how do I walk in a store and walk out without having to check out. I remember one of the earlier Apple Store experiences I had. I was amazed that the person that's at this bench and helping me buy this laptop then swiped my credit card on a handheld unit. I remember that experience of not needing to go to a cashier. Right, and, and you it was called life, it. it you said, I remember that experience. 100%. That's my point. It was an you, experience. There's a lot of ways to deliver an experience. It could be the magic of checkout. Right, It could be the buy online, pick up in store, like the new Nike store here in New York that's so set up for it that you walk in and you walk out and it's easy. There are a lot of ways to deliver experience. So don't get confused between entertainment and experience. Experience starts with what's the pain point to the customer and how do I solve it? For me, the pain point is perusing. Right. Are the days of perusing in retail over? I mean, you mentioned the majority of people make their decisions before they head to the store. You see something on Instagram or your friend, you know, you get to play with your friend's new mm-hmm. iPhone. I remember since I got the iPhone on day one, I was that friend for many people. Mm-hmm. That night I went to a party and had the the beer drinking app mm-hmm. and everyone couldn't believe the fact that it looked like I was drinking a beer by tilting my phone. That's so funny. So many of those people bought an iPhone within the week. So you make that choice before you go to the store. 
where does the retail success happen once the retailer has you in that store? Mm-hmm. Well, see, I don't think perusing's out. It's just much more edited perusing. Think of a Peloton store. They've got stores. They've got two products in that store. They've got a treadmill and a bike. So I don't have to peruse through lots of products, but I might learn about the bike and the treadmill. That's a form of perusing. It's kind of moving down that channel of making decisions. Most of the new retail stores have very limited assortments. Think of away luggage. Think of a Casper mattress. Even Warby Parker has relatively few styles of glasses compared to a typical optical store, right? So today we're in an edited world. We don't have time to wade through products in a big store. That's where, like, most of the department stores are built for another era. They're not the way we want to shop today. They're too big. Now, in big cities like London and New York, it's a different thing. You go to Selfridges, those are really lots of stores within a store. You know, they're even run as concessions. So there's a Xenia store next to a Laurel Piano store next to a Cuccinelli store. You know, it's a very different model. So you're finding lots of edited statements within a large space. Now, when I was trying to reinvent pennies years ago, I was trying to turn that into a, this is seven years ago, into a hundred unique shops. Some of those would be the brands that pennies always had. A Levi shop, a Nike shop, one of the great private labels. A lot of those would be new digital first brands looking for a way to reach customers. So I had this vision a long time ago, you gotta break down this massive large store and do bite-sized chunks that customers will peruse because they're not overwhelmed. But I don't think people have tolerance for being overwhelmed or being confused. That approach sound makes so much sense to me today. Was it ahead of its time seven years yeah, ago? Yeah, it was. And, and more than anything, I was ahead of our team. You know, I made the mistake of assuming what I saw and could explain would be understood. Now, I made that mistake in part. I had just come out of working at Apple. And at Apple, no matter how far out I might have thought, Steve was thinking further out. If I said go fast, he'd say, how do we go faster? I'd then go to a place that has a culture of just pretty comfortable living in the past, making decisions based on what they know, not what they believe, right? And so I was kind of like a, a square peg in a round hole or whatever you say. Because my, my mindset was so culturally different. But most people look today and say the vision was right. You know, edit the assortment. Create an experience. Break it down into shops. Find a way to appeal to a younger customer. Even the pricing. Have everyday great value. You know, young people don't, don't want to manage a lot of coupons. You know, all those Last things. thing in the world I want to do. Is well, I think so. Coupons. But at Penny's, that was really controversial. Yeah. Because their customer, that's how they save money. So my question with that is, you spoke about sometimes the challenge is guiding the legacy team members at a company. Mm -hmm. For a retailer that needs to now begin to become nimble and make changes, what about the legacy customers? How do you make it easy on the legacy customers when you transition? Well, I think most of them are pretty good at that. You know, we evolve with the store. You just have to be careful not to do too much at once. Like you could argue, I did too much at pennies at once. 
We changed the brand from JCPenney to JCP. We eliminated the weekly circular and went to a monthly event. We went from coupons and sales to everyday low pricing. We started to bring in all this new content, like Joe Fresh at the time was a hot specialty store brand. We maybe gave them too much to digest. But if you look at what Target's done, people have figured out that really well. Buy online, drive through, and pick up outside, I can understand that. I walk into the Nike store, I see a big place that says, pick up in store. I know how to do that, right? So I think it's the pace at which you roll out change which matters as well. And you've got to just be methodical about that. Other retailers are listening, and they know they're hurting in middle America. And yeah. that, how, does, how does that area reinvent itself it, on a it's, retail landscape basis? I think it's going to be impossible to do. You know, realistically, in middle America today, communities are not growing. Now, fortunately, we're getting more jobs, and we're making them more healthy. But people are increasingly flocking to southern cities, to the coast, to California for a variety of reasons. Where there's population growth and job growth, you'll see vibrant retail economies. Where you don't have population growth, you're not going to see a lot of innovation in retail. So those communities will get whittled down to the right number of stores. It'll be fewer than they have today, but at some point, we'll get that optimized. And those communities will have the right number of stores, the right amount of online, but we've got to digest that still because we're still way overstored. And as the big anchors close down, these malls lose all their vibrancy. You pull into a store that's empty on the outside, and you know, 20% of the spaces are not occupied. You feel like, well, why am I here? This is going out. And you want to be where it feels like the world's going. We all want to be about where it's going. We want to wait in line at the crowded restaurant, right? We want to try what's next. That's kind of in our DNA as people. And so there's a tough road ahead for kind of middle middle American shopping. How does how does enjoy as as these large these cities grow larger mm-hmm. and um, retail space is limited mm-hmm. in in major cities. So how does enjoy cover the divide between the companies that will just deliver things to you mm-hmm. and needing to go out to the retail? Yeah. Well, the way I look at it, even after 20 years, online commerce is 15% of the U.S. Today, it's growing, you know, 15% a year. That means next year, it'll be 16. But it's slowing down. That'll be 17, right? Online commerce will be bigger than mobile retail commerce because most of what we buy is everyday essentials, not these infrequently purchased products. So enjoy one day mobile retail might be 5% of purchases, right? So we're kind of a premium experience that's not going to be the most common, but it'll be a part of it. So it's not about being bigger. It's about being better. It's about giving people great choices for how to get products. But we know we're on the front end of people wanting to work mobily. We know we're on the front end of things starting digitally. We know experience matters. We're just changing where you receive that experience. And that's part of the magic of where Enjoy is going. Everything comes full circle. Is Enjoy almost 
similar to a cottage industry type business? Yeah. It is. It is. You know, years ago, this is how we bought a lot of things. You know, you had milk trucks that delivered milk to the home. You had Kirby people demonstrating the vacuum on your front door rug, you know. The the smartphone has enabled a lot of things, but most importantly, the efficient navigation and connecting of people, the efficient management of inventory. So today I can enjoy manage inventory mobily as well as I could in a store. So I know, is the inventory in my Enjoy Experts case that he's bringing to the house? Is it in the vehicle? Is it back at the Enjoy house? I know where my people are precisely. Sometimes it's hard to find in the Apple store. Where's Dave? Dave's back in the... I can't find him. There's all these people. I know where Dave is. I know what Dave's got with him. I know what Dave just did in the visit. So all of this technology is getting out of the way but enabling a level of a human connection that we really had 50 years ago. So it's the adage, what's old is new again. Even the pensive customers looking at their phone saying, oh, Dave is only it's on the way. 15 minutes away. Let yeah, and I want to learn about Dave. So I click on, and Dave plays a little video, and I, what do other people think of Dave? And Dave, I'd like you to help with this. You know, I can do better with Dave than I could 50 years ago when I had to wait for the milk truck to just ring the bell. Who are those staffers that are visiting the homes? Yeah, so we believe in a full-time employee model. You know, most of the delivery economy, as we all know, and it's a real controversial thing, uses contractors. Gig economy. Gig economy. Now, that's wonderful for someone who has a full-time job and wants to get a little more cash in the pocket. For someone who's looking for a full-time job, it typically doesn't have benefits. The rules change all the time. You never know how many people are working in my neighborhood. It's very hard to make a living in the gig economy. So we're providing the kind of job characteristics of the gig economy, but with a full-time employee. So everyone who works and enjoys a full-time employee, they have benefits from day one, they have career paths, they're trained in advance, they work on a team, um, but they get to pick their hours six weeks out. Our people work four 10-hour days. They can choose who they want to work with. I can go to my schedule and see, well, Dave's working that day. That'd be kind of fun to be out with Dave. I could have lunch. I could see him at the Enjoy House. So we're trying to create a great new job for this mobile economy. When you go through the door, the person matters. They've got to be really well-trained and high quality. When you're just dropping off a product, really doesn't matter. It's a transactional experience. Does that make sense? It's a bad, it could be a bad experience too. Right. I, I have had personal mm-hmm. terrible experience with some of the last mile services. Mm-hmm. And although I know it operates as a separate contractor, it reflects poorly on the brand that's using them. I won't go into details, but um, as far as the importance Mm -hmm. of you're putting a human inside a home, Mm -hmm. what does that process of selection look like? Oh, we're very selective. You know, we get, fortunately, lots of applicants. We're looking for people that have great people skills first that can establish human connections because every visit has to be personalized, but then they have to love technology. The good news, like a lot of these on-demand companies, we get feedback from most of our customers. So we hear every day, how did Dave do on the last delivery? And we have a lot of data that can inform that judgment. So when we have experts who aren't meeting our standard, it's pretty easy to coach and train them. Eventually, if they're not good enough, they wouldn't stay. 
But we've gotten the ability to really understand the experience they're delivering even better than in a store. Because as a store manager, you know, you watch your employees, you see them interact, you're not in the middle of the conversation. People don't give feedback as they walk out the door. So it's pretty invisible. Think of trying to manage a really busy store. It's almost like one-sided observation. It's observational, where ours, people write feedback, and we get it all the time. So it's actually been fascinating to me as a store retail guy my most of my career, how much more value and insight you can get into the experience you deliver in a mobile world. I could open my app right now, and I could look at the history of every visit you've done for Enjoy. Your last 2,000 visits, what was the customer rating? How often when you went to the home did you review their plan and lower it for them? How often did you activate their phone? How many times did they buy something in the visit? I get all that feedback. Metrics like speed of visit speed to of duration. Visit. What's the duration of the visit? How much time you spend? You don't want to waste people's time. Dave only appears to have spent an average of 18 minutes with yeah, us because that's not but it good. really matters, right? And so I have all that data, but most importantly, you have that data. And you can see it for your peers and your captains and coaches see it. So we're constantly trying to improve people. Everyone wants to do a great job. They want to be trained. They want to get better. And we provide data that lets them monitor their progress. We actually sit down with every one of our full-time experts once a month and set a performance plan for the next month. You know, think about that in an hourly job, having a monthly goal-setting experience on how you can get better as a person. That's worth a lot to people because people want careers. They also want mobility. You know, a lot of people get tired of going to the same store every day, month after month, year after year. Our neighborhoods are our stores. You know, they're getting to know their neighborhood. Instead of seeing 100 customers a day, they're seeing seven and having great experience. That's mobile retail. It sounds like the enjoy strategies and philosophies could greatly benefit the brands that are being sold to these customers. How does that play into the business model? Well, it does. You know, I, I, I really admire the Four Seasons hotels. A lot of people don't realize, we don't realize though, that the Four Seasons operates hotels. They don't own hotels. So they've got a way to deliver service, which is recognized worldwide as best in class, right? Our goal is that Enjoy, we operate mobile stores with partners like EE and BT and AT&T. We want to set a new gold standard for what great customer service looks like. And as we do that, we hope that trickles down. One of the big benefits of the Apple stores that we found, you know, back in 2000, at that time, Apple wasn't even sold at Best Buy in the United States, right? But when we set this new gold standard for retailing, suddenly every buy an Apple product kind of looks like a little Apple store inside. You know, the channel's invested in beautiful fixturing, better presentation. How do you present accessories? How do you hire and train people to deliver an Apple experience in my store? because they're now competing with the Apple store, right? We're trying to raise the gold standard, and our partners understand that. You've got to continually invest to deliver a better experience. Sometimes you got to look outside for that, you know, and we're hopefully doing that with our partners. So now that you've brought up Apple, I mean, sure. instrumental in the creation of the Apple store, mm-hmm. what is the future for retailers that are 
trying to still copycat the Apple Store concept? That's a good question. You know, I think part of that is what we're doing at Enjoy. It's like, how do we bring the store to you? Because when I'm in the store as a customer, I don't have all my products with me. You know, they say in the UK that by 2022, the average family will have 100 smart devices in the home. That's significant. But add it up. Now, it could be five smartphones. I mean, I'm quickly doing the calculation. I realize I probably have about 18 in my house. But even still, you know, we all have an iPad. Yeah. We all have a personal computer or we have a tablet. We have smartphones. Home assistants. We've got home assistants. We've got Wi-Fi. Cameras. We've got televisions. We've got speakers that are increasingly digital. Then some of us have doorbells and security system and lights. And health monitors. I've got watches to monitor my heart. It's adding up pretty quickly. The challenge to that is to make them all work together. Right? And how does Enjoy help with that? Well, that's what we do because we're in the home and we've got the expertise to do that. So every visit, we might bring your new phone and we will connect that for you. But then the question is to discover what else are you trying to do? And if someone's older and says, I really want to improve my health, we might say, well, you ought to get one of these watches. You're having heart issues. It may not prevent a heart attack, but it can let you monitor your heart rate. It can identify if you're having an AFib experience, for example. And you can connect that to your, we can connect that to your health plan so your doctor knows what's going on in your life. Those are the kind of solutions we can do. It could be, I really want to get into music. I love music. We can recommend, would you want Spotify? If you're really serious about Quality of sound, title, could be Apple Music. We could then say, what speaker do you want to play in it? Would you want a Sonos speaker? We can set that up for you. All that stuff comes together in the home, which is a pretty great spot for it because you can have an unhurried conversation. Stores are really expensive. You know, if you take the world of products we buy, from electronics to clothing, 20 to 50% of the retail price is needed to cover the last mile of a store. Stores, you have to build them out. You gotta improve them. You gotta pay rent. You gotta have cashiers. You gotta count merchandise. You gotta have security. So I'm someone that loves the human connection. Yeah. I love tactile experiences. Mm-hmm. I love physical things. I use digital forms of purchasing all the time. Some, you know, the large Amazons of the world. It's just a convenience factor for certain items. Mm-hmm. I never like the fact that I feel like a stock boy breaking down all the boxes at the end of the day for right. recycling week. Um, but this experience sounds tremendous to me. It mm-hmm. sounds like it's the experience beyond digital phones and digital products. Mm-hmm. What is the future of the retail landscape for these kinds of experiences? Well, here's what I believe. I believe we'll always have stores. And stores actually in, in the United States have the upper hand again. You know, we had about a 20-year period where Amazon just, you know, took it to stores, and stores didn't know what to do. Now, when a retail chain integrates their online store and finds a way to bring them together, they perform, they're the best performers in the industry. Target stock price doubled last year. A lot of these retailers are at all-time highs that have figured out how to do it. So there's good retail, and then there's tired retail. As we look forward, I think you're going to have stores be a central part of commerce. They always will be. But when we start digitally, there will be products for which we want convenience, as you described. I get to deal with the boxes, but I really don't need a lot of help. 
and there'll be products for which I expect more. And those will be the ones that you tend to expect more when you go to a physical store. So when you go to the Apple store, you expect an experience. It would make sense to buy an Apple product with an experience. If I go to a high-end department store, like I'm at Selfridges in London, I would expect Selfridges to send a stylist to my home when I have an occasion I need to buy a really important dress with the right handbag and the right shoes, right? So there'll be products for which we want more and pro products where convenience is just fine. And I think that'll be kind of a third element in the shopping equation. We'll have mobile stores, we'll have online stores, and we'll have physical stores. Do you think the third-party solutions-type business that Enjoy is mm -hmm. um, is going to be crucial for some of these legacy businesses to survive the changes? Maybe the businesses that can't make these changes internally. It's hard because if you're a retailer like Best Buy in the United States, you've made the bet on stores. It's in your cost structure. Anytime you're sending a person to the home, you don't have to pay for that employee going to the home. So we really help a manufacturer of a product go direct. Does that make sense? Yes. It enhances their online model and turns a cost center into a profit center through the engagement. But if I have a physical store, there's always a desire to send them to the store, if that makes sense. These brands have physical stores. Right. There are AT&T stores. Correct. Is it a matter of matching the service you get in the store or bettering? Ideally, you have to better it. But long term, the one interesting thing about retail is there is a magic number, which is the right number of stores, where you've got the perfect portfolio. In the U.S., we got way overstored. You know, the retail industry through the 60s and 70s with all the shopping malls, Everyone built too many stores, and now we're going through a period of massive store closings to get down to the right side. There are other companies that have figured out what that number is. You know, Hermes is a luxury brand. They just remodeled their 301st store. They had 301 stores 20 years ago. For their brand, their exclusivity, 300's the right number of stores. We're all consumers, Ron. You're a consumer as well. What are you consuming currently? And what are you liking, brand-wise, anything? Oh, I, you know, I'm on the Zenu board. It's kind of upscale, but I spend a lot of time thinking about luxury today. It's a new business to me. I grew up in mass merchandising like a Target. I then moved into premium and electronics with Apple. Um, but now I'm on the Zenu board. It's really fascinating to learn about the luxury business. It's a very different way to build value. And so I'm spending a lot of time intellectually there, which I find fascinating. I'm also involved with some uh, food retailing things that are interesting. Uh, on the board of a great coffee company in California called Phil's Coffee that's expanded to D.C. and Chicago, and they're competing with Starbucks and in that third-place world. So there's a lot of things that consume my interest. You know, at my age, you don't buy as much as I used to. You know, when you get older, you don't acquire as much. You tend to buy fewer, better things and wear them more or use them longer. Um, but those are some of my interests. When it comes to luxury items, that that seems to be based around more experience. That it does, but, you know, luxury, it's changed. You know, the busiest store I've been to in New York, I'm in New York this week, was down in 
NoHo, not Soho, you know, north of Houston. You hear about Soho a lot. There's a store called Kith, K-I-T-H, and they do all of that. What's it called with the streetwear the kids wear today? Beats me. It's Sup- really, but Supreme. Supreme, but uh, that was going to be my guess. This store was filled with people, and they were looking for something they could wear on the street, wear to the club tonight, heavy focus on shoes, apparel, men, women, young, vibrant, right? So the world keeps moving, you know, and you got to stay ahead. But that was luxury. The average price point of what they were buying was $500 to $1,000. You know, there's a lot of people spending money on luxury, you know. My brother-in-law showed up on Christmas morning with some Kanye slide, um, you know, to each his own taste-wise. Right. And he's telling me he's wearing these things on the street. And I'm like, all right, but yeah. not cheap, made of foam. Unbelievable. But he loved it, right? He loved it. Yeah. He loved but that's, you know, like when I was in Japan, I mean, everybody owns what they show. Do you think we're slow to adopt personal taste in the U.S.? Do you think I we're think still so. being driven by mass- larger trends? I think, but it's moving so quickly. We used to all wear these mass market ideas, you know, whatever Macy's had on the front cover I was going to wear. They were the authority. Today, authority comes from Instagram. It's these influencers, and we follow them daily. And there's millions of them. And millions, and we want to have what they have, right? So we're discovering things, and we're each becoming more confident with expressing ourselves. And you see that in young people in particular. They don't all dress the same. They're all expressing themselves uniquely. I was at, I'm staying at one of these millennial hotels this time because it was really reasonable where they have all this common space where people will do their work and then the rooms are very tiny. And I was down there and there were probably 20 millennials, you know, working away and doing their thing on the Wi-Fi. And I looked around and they were all unique. They were dressed uniquely. They had their own point of view, their own sense of style. And I think that's a good thing. We're moving into a world where we express ourselves and we're accepted for who we are because we are moving slowly into a much more inclusive world. And that's one of the best things I've observed in my career. Um, It's really important to us to enjoy. You know, we're very diverse, very inclusive. Um, Ideally, half our employees that go into homes are females, you know, all races, all ethnicities, all religious backgrounds, it doesn't matter. We just want really kind, interesting people. And I think that's what we're seeing today, really with the younger generations. They're much more tolerant, and that's a good thing. Ron, tremendous insight. Thank you so much. Thanks, great to be here. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter, hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by Retail Transformation Agency Visual Thinking. Thanks for listening.